Hello everyone, this is your host Raymart Lugi and welcome to the Pentecostal Pen Podcast, engaging Christians to reach out, make disciples, and lead for the cause of Jesus Christ. In this month's episode, I would like to share with you a lesson that Reverend Brock Chavis did on the church in a multicultural world. Brother Chavis is the Director of Multicultural Ministries for the United Pentecostal Church International. And in this lesson, he discussed how should the church minister to our multicultural world. As you can probably observe, North America has been becoming multicultural more than ever before. So grab your pen, your paper, or your iPad, or wherever you use to take notes. And without any further delay, here's Brother Brock Chavis. Enjoy. Greetings. My name is Brock Chavis, and I serve the United Pentecostal Church as the Director of Multicultural Ministries. Today, I'd like to share a brief lesson with you on the church in a multicultural world. I will tell you from the beginning that I want to elaborate on three main points. First, I want to talk about biblical values secondly, biblical authority, and third, flexibility in responding to cultural change. Let me begin by saying that the United Pentecostal Church is now in most countries of the world. I think that Global Mission's recent reports indicate that we are only not in about 12 to 15 we're at most 18 or 20 countries, nations, or provinces in the entire world. So we are an organization that is incredibly uh, multicultural on a global front, and we are reaching into every nation, uh, kindred, tribe, and tongue uh, that, is, that is humanly possible. And yet we are faced in North America with the, the same great burden and the same great mission of evangelizing the cultures that have come to North America from all of these other global locations uh, throughout our wonderful planet. And as they come to North America, uh, precious people of all walks of life, colors, cultures, uh, language groups, uh, we want to ensure that we are doing our very best uh, to follow the mandate that the Bible has given us to reach all nations and to uh, spread the gospel throughout all cultures of the world, even here in North America. What we are doing on the global field, we want to ensure that we're doing it on the local level, on the local church level, in every city, in every community where there exists a United Pentecostal Church. And as we talk about that, I will be the first to say that there are challenges that come with beginning to reach into uh, cultures uh, in your local community that may not already uh, be in your local church, uh, cultures that may be opposite of the, the dominant uh, demographics of your church or even your community. And in cases like these, there are sometimes challenges that come up on approach, how to evangelize, how to understand the culture, and etc. So here are just a few thoughts that I believe will help us to understand the role of the church in a multicultural world. First, as a church, uh, we do not try to promote one culture 
over another, but rather, uh, instead of that, we want to promote biblical values. You know, most of us probably uh, prefer the culture in which we were raised in, and uh, there's nothing wrong with this personal choice. Uh, most of us probably have a drive or uh, some kind of unconscious compelling uh, towards people who are like us, people who look like us, people who share our same cultural values, people who understand our history. As you might have noticed on the walls uh, behind me, uh, you see this uh, decorated with several uh, pieces of, of Native American art or Native American artifacts. and. Uh, I am half Native American by birth. I'm a member of the Lumbee tribe, which is based in North Carolina. And so in my life, I'm always quite interested to learn everything I can about Native American life and history. And uh, these artifacts that you see, uh, the, the art or the, the, the acoustic here uh, to my left, your right, uh, these are things that, that that share and enlighten me about Native American history. And while I won't go into the meanings and, and background of these items right now, what a, the point I'm trying to make to you is that we all have things that we are drawn to uh, that are from our own culture and our own cultural history. And so let me establish that there's nothing wrong with the personal choice of being drawn to your own culture. However, those preferences cannot be allowed to delay us or to, uh, to cause us to neglect to reach outside of our other cult our, our culture and reach inside of other cultures. We can not allow our preferences to restrict either our evangelism or our fellowship. We all have personal preferences. I think that it would be fair to say that we all have biases, whether those biases be uh, intentional or unintentional, whether they be conscious or unconscious, we all have biases and preferences, but we cannot allow uh, those things to keep us from evangelizing the cultures that we are called to reach in our local community. Instead, what we must do is we, uh, rather than promoting our culture over another or any culture over another, we should promote biblical values. We should, we should talk about the culture that we are called to uh, on a biblical front. We don't send missionaries uh, in order to convert people to American or Canadian culture, but we send missionaries to convert them to Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And likewise, when we minister to immigrants and ethnic minorities in our own countries, our goal is not to, uh, to force them or make them conform to certain social expectations, but our goal is to win them to the Lord. People of various <clears throat> cultural preferences and political persuasions need to feel welcome to participate in our services and in the life of the church. And you will find, undoubtedly, if you're pastoring uh, or working in a multicultural community in a multicultural church, sooner or later you're going to come across somebody who is repented, who is baptized in Jesus' name, 
who is filled with the Holy Spirit uh, by the evidence of speaking with other tongues and is uh, leading a life of holiness, pursuing holiness with the Lord, having all the same doctrinal stands that we have, you are sooner or later going to find someone who is just like that, uh, but who also uh, may be voting or, or supporting a different political party than yourself, uh, or may have different views than yourself, and may have different uh, cultural values than yourself. You may even find that there may be holidays that you consider a premium or you consider uh, the, the most uh, celebrated and uh, valuable holidays of the year. And in their homes, these, this is just a normal day. It's nothing special for them. And so these, these things sometimes can create challenges, but we have to understand uh, those challenges. We have to uh, value the differences that there are and, and know that these challenges are not really biblical uh, in that, uh, you know, what, what does it matter if uh, they're not celebrating uh, American or Canadian Thanksgiving days? Uh, what does it matter if in the United States they're not uh, all that excited or patriotic uh, on the 4th of July? And we could continue this, this analogy even further, but the point is that we're not trying to promote our culture and our, or our cultural things, but rather we're promoting a biblical culture. As long as we can come together and be centered around the Word of God and the things of God and the teachings of the written Word of God and the, and the leading of the Holy Ghost, then we are centered on the right thing. Different cultures are going to exhibit and have different uh, modes of thought, uh, communication, etiquette, uh, dress, music, food, traditions, ceremonies, rituals, and symbols. We like our own culture uh, because it's familiar and it's, it's comfortable to us. And when we are first exposed to another culture, it seems strange. And uh, our instinct sometimes is to, is to reject it until you become very much conditioned to learning and pursuing knowledge of other cultures there will be moments until that time comes that you your first instinct might be to reject all these these differences. But as we become more acquainted with other cultures, uh, we learn to appreciate them. Sooner or later, we begin to find things that we greatly value. Uh, and uh, we also find that for the most part, the differences uh, in cultures are, are neither better or worse they're just that, they're just different. And when we come to that understanding, we can, we can really begin to grow. We also learn that some cultures are better in some ways, while other cultures are better in other ways. I, I love the analogy that Brother uh, Bernard shares in some of his writing. Uh, he talks about his experience as an American growing up in uh, Korea. And there, as he, as he shares, there are many things about Korean culture that he really appreciated and enjoyed, uh, such as uh, the traditional Korean culture of politeness, uh, respect for elders, um, commitment to family, and the great premium and emphasis they place on education. So he, he felt that that was good and even better in some ways. At the same time, 
Um, he did not enjoy uh, living in a conformist culture under a military dictatorship uh, with the threat of communist invasion uh, looming at the border uh, only uh, 30 or 40 miles away. And uh, so he saw some things in that culture that he felt was better and then things about his own American culture that he felt was better, uh, such as uh, the American society of democracy, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, individualism, uh, personal initiative, social mobility, uh, economic opportunity. So both societies promoted a strong work ethic, which has helped make them, uh, in many cases, more successfully economically uh, than other cultures. But his point was he saw some things in uh, the Korean culture that was better than others, and he saw things in his Native American culture that was better than others. And as you begin to extrapolate this over many other cultures, you're gonna find just that very thing, that there are uh, some things in certain cultures that are better than others. In my own personal background, for me, there are things about Native American culture uh, that, uh, that I uh, feel are better. There is an appreciation for the land. There is uh, an emphasis on knowing how to live, to survive, to, uh, to be able to stand on your own. Uh, individualism, there's, there's a lot of things that I like. I love the history, I, I, the culture, and you look back uh, throughout the years and the different emphasis is placed on the love of nature and the care for uh, for land, not even feeling that uh, Native American people did not feel that they personally owned the land, but that they, they had an appreciation for it and were working with it in nature. And so uh, those are things that I feel like are better uh, than how some other cultures may may operate. But on the other hand, there are things about, um, you know, uh, typical traditional American culture that I appreciate as well. There are, in, look, throughout history, there is the advances in technology and industry that were likely never going to develop with Native American culture. And uh, it's just a shame that these two things could not uh, coincide. These two cultures could not coincide together in history. But I digress. So my first point today is that as a church, we do not try to promote one culture over another, but rather uh, we should promote biblical value overall. The things that the Bible teaches us should be the things that bring us together as people, no matter if you are an immigrant to North America or you have lived in North America all of your life and previous generations of your family, whether you're Caucasian, whether you are uh, African-American, whether you are Native American, uh, whether you are Hispanic, uh, no matter what culture that you are, we need to celebrate a biblical culture and a, and a biblical family, uh, what the Bible teaches us in fellowship and in doctrine over all other things. So my second point today is that we recognize that the Bible has authority over all culture. And many, many different cultures and nationalities have various 
different uh, modes and ways of worship uh, that they that they uh, are involved in. We have to recognize that while some of these may be different than our own, what we're measuring it against is not our own culture, but we're measuring it against the Word of God. Uh, we cannot simply conform to the culture around us, but we evaluate it according to scriptural teaching. So whether uh, our church is made up of people who are um, who are African immigrants and their style of worship is more exuberant or in times it's, it's working together. And in our American or Canadian culture, we might say, well, this seems choreographed and this seems more like what we would call dancing. At the same time, we, we must understand uh, what the background and the culture of these people are and uh, in their upbringing, this is a style uh, and a manner of worship that is very much worship unto God and is not in any way considered uh, to be what we would call choreographed dancing. But what we're needing to do is that we are, we are needing to measure things by the Word of God. It's quite interesting sometimes the things we criticize as worship, and I'm not trying to make a theological point here, but um, when we look at the manner in which that David in the Old Testament worshiped God, it's almost as if anything that could be done uh, uh, to give honor and glory unto the Lord would be acceptable uh, because David uh, is described as being very fanatical in his worship. But what we do sometimes is we bring our own personal preferences into our decision making. And what we should do is simply let the Bible guide us. There may be certain types of worship uh, that you don't feel uh, drawn to and you may resist. And you know, that's fine because any, any, anytime you're feeling pressured to worship in a certain way, uh, it's taken away from uh, you know, your relationship with the Lord. You need to be led of the Lord in how you worship. And the Bible describes so many ways of worship. And so many, uh, there are so many Jewish words that, that lead us into how, how to worship, whether it be the lifting up of the hands or the, the speaking of, of the word, the shouting uh, words of praise. And there are so many more that we could talk about, but we need to be led by, by the word of God. The Bible has authority over all cultures. And there may be times when there is something that is cultural and is also not biblical. And so in cases like that, we have to recognize that, that the Bible has authority overall. As I approach living for God, I begin to come out of my own culture and I begin to move into a biblical culture, a, a Bible understanding, a Bible culture. And as I do that, I need to let the Bible guide me. And uh, there are some cultures who are, who are more aggressive in worship. There are some cultures who are uh, more passive in worship. Uh, there are there are occasions where if you're a person who travels, you may attend a church that's very very exuberant, and you may feel that this is great, and you may feel that this is too much, and you might attend another church that is very very passive, and uh, you may feel that uh, you know you may preach perhaps or speak and not get a lot of response while you're preaching, not a lot of talking uh, back, not a lot of uh, shouting and amening, if you will while you're preaching and feel perhaps that this church is dead. And then 
during the altar, you'll be surprised to see the altar is flooded with people who are fervently crying out to God and who are responding to the message that you preach. These are things that we have built into our own uh, cultural approaches and our own preferences uh, and our approach to preaching and worshiping. And we have to be very careful not to let our preferences guide it. We must be led by the Word of God. I grew up in, the, in North Carolina, uh, the southern or southeastern part of the United States. Uh, the community that I'm from uh, is uh, more than 60 to 70 percent African-American and uh, there are many many other cultures. I grew up in a church in my teenage years that was majority 80 percent to 90 percent uh, African-American and so uh, in that environment growing up preaching uh, you know you get a lot of people from from that culture and I really really love this as part of my upbringing but when you preach they preach with you uh, when when you preach they they talk back to you and uh, they they uh, they're gonna worship vocally and you're gonna know if people are behind you in a church like that and sometimes I catch myself when when I'm in other places just responding uh, in the way uh, in worship and during preaching that I would have responded in my home church and you know I can see people turning their head to look because they're they're not used to someone saying anything from from the pews lifting their voice and and uh, shouting out words of support uh, and I've had to learn for myself that uh, this is different but not wrong whereas this is the way I enjoy it I prefer it uh, it is different, but again, it's not wrong. We have to be, we have to be led by the teaching and the authority of the Word of God. Historically, many cultures have promoted biblical values in certain areas, and but sadly, they have they have changed under the influences of modern. Uh, or uh, modern Western music and media. And we must also guard uh, against the materialism, the self-centeredness, uh, and the relativism of modern culture. Each of us bring our culture to the table, and as we bring that culture to the table, as we're being led by the Word of God as the highest authority, there are things within our culture that has, that is a part of our worship that we cannot allow to be influenced by our our dominant North American culture either. There's a reverence and there's an approach and there's an honor uh, that we need to have in our worship, in our service, and our our praise to the Lord that cannot be affected by uh, this Western uh, society of music and media and the things I mentioned as well. Which brings me to a final point, and that is that the church uh, must be flexible in responding to cultural diversity and change. Our nations uh, in the United States and Canada are nations of many cultures, and our culture is changing rapidly. Um, people of, of different generations, different races, different regions of the world, and different social backgrounds can have significantly different cultural experiences and expectations. And we have to be aware of that. We, we are looking at 
uh, statistics today which are simply mind-blowing when it comes to uh, the number of immigrants that are coming to North America. Uh, we have people from all over the world and don't, don't be uh, fooled, I would say, with some of the uh, rhetoric of our popular uh, politicians of this time. Uh, you find it's very popular today for politicians representing our own governments to talk negatively about our society in North America. Uh, but I would say the numbers on immigrations uh, into the United States and Canada are really uh, the telling facts because if the United States and, and Canada um, is not so well liked in the world, then why are people coming to us consistently, continually, and in great numbers? And uh, I don't want to speak outside of my level of knowledge and experience, but I would say that I believe that there is something here in North America that is drawing people. And I believe a lot of that is not materialism, uh, not people searching for the American dream, although some of that is certainly there. I believe that the Lord is gathering people because we have uh, so many uh, outlets and so many points of light for the apostolic message in the United States and Canada. As people come here, they're undoubtedly gonna become exposed to uh, the gospel message and oneness Pentecostalism and we need to be diligent to be ensure that we are reaching them and that means being being flexible in our approach in responding to cultural diversity and changing demographics so people of all generations races age groups social backgrounds uh, they can come to us having significantly different cultural experiences and expectations. Sometimes this presents challenges in uh, the unity of the church and we have to work very diligently to move through those issues and uh, it takes a little bit of time to to understand, to investigate, to empathize, to love and try to work together with all cultures. This is not just um, uh, not just a matter of cultural backgrounds as well, there's, there's a different playing field also, such as uh, it's been said that people who are born in the mid-1980s or afterward are digital natives. And those of us who were born before that time would be uh, digital immigrants. In other words, those people who were born uh, from the mid-1980s onward, they have always been surrounded by the culture of digital or online technology, social media, internet. And by contrast, those of us who could be referred to as digital immigrants are people who were born before that time. We remember a time when there was not an internet. Uh, we remember a time uh, where there was no social media, was a, uh, something not even being thought of. And uh, we know what it feels like to have to learn how to function in this growing digital age and digital world. And so this is an example of how that there, there are differences in the culture of people and we have to be flexible in how we respond to that. And uh, as another example, our population is becoming uh, more and more urban and there are significant cultural differences 
between small towns and big cities. And we could talk a lot on this subject, but in, in small towns, uh, for people to make a trip to the grocery store to refill the refrigerator, it's, it's a trip. It's, it's uh, packing up, it's driving anywhere from, you know, three, five to 10, 15, 20 miles even, perhaps even longer to go to a grocery store that will, will have everything that the family needs and to be able to do that. And so while that, that trip just to gather uh, essentials for the home and essential grocery items, that might be a three to four hour experience in some cases and some even longer in many parts of the United States and Canada. Whereas people who live in inner cities and people who live in, in more urban communities, there are grocery stores and there are convenient marts uh, near about on every corner. And for them to uh, gro go to buy groceries, uh, it might be uh, just a walk around the block. In many cases, uh, people who live in metro areas or these areas I'm describing, they, their homes are, are much smaller, apartment buildings, townhouses, duplexes, things of this nature, sometimes in high rises, and they don't have a lot of square footage, so uh, the refrigerator size might be uh, half or even smaller than the size of that person who lives uh, 20 miles outside of town and has two refrigerators in the house or has a large deep freezer, freezer in the basement or in the garage. And, and so while these, these are very significant uh, differences in how we're operating, that person who lives in the urban area, they may shop every day for essentials. They may stop on the way back or from uh, work to, to buy the things they need for dinner that very night and they're not gonna have a long supply or a lot of supplies kept in the refrigerator for very long. And so this is just one example of the differences between uh, the cultural differences of small towns and, and big cities. Um, another example would be means of transportation. Whereas in a, in a uh, rural setting, you, you're almost required to have a vehicle to, to maneuver through life. You've gotta have a vehicle uh, to travel, to get back and forth to work, to get back and forth to essential things. Whereas in an urban setting, uh, you may not ever own a vehicle at all. You may, you may just depend on taxis or Lyft or Uber or something like that when, ne when necessarily, but mostly it might be the subway or trains um, or some other type of public transportation. And so I've described uh, that we have significant differences in culture, not just age generations, races, regions that people are from, social backgrounds, but also the digital and online world and the differences between urban and rural settings. And so in these cases, we must be willing to adjust our methods to reach people of different backgrounds. Doing so may lead to significant changes uh, and greater diversity in our music, our technologies, uh, symbols, worship services, programs, community involvement. Uh, radical change could, could uh, signify or cause a compromise of apostolic identity, and we cannot accept that. We must not accept that. But not all change should be viewed in this light. Just because we're being flexible to respond to culture 
does not give us a green light to be flexible on matters of our doctrines and our standards and our stances uh, that are led by that biblical authority that we talked about previously, but, but rather we have to be flexible in ways that will help us to evangelize these different communities and different cultures, backgrounds, or ways of, of thinking. To a great extent, our styles of communication and worship are culturally relative and thus susceptible to change, even though our message is not. Our message cannot change. To illustrate, uh, and some of you that are watching that are from older generations, you'll recognize these, and some watching may not recognize these at all, but in the 20th century, popular hymns and choruses such as the Royal Telephone or Jesus on the Main Line, uh, they referred to the latest technology of the time and they used uh, uh, musical styles that were very much current in the times of their writing and their popularity. Now these songs, the Royal Telephone, Jesus on the Main Line, Tell Him What You Want, these songs would have been completely incomprehensible to the apostles of the early church. And they're almost completely incomprehensible to the modern uh, and current generation as well. And so we have to understand that uh, there are certain things about our worship that are culturally relevant. And as time changes and generations change and cultures change, or we have influxes of uh, other cultures into our churches and into our communities, there are things that can change, but the message can't change. So our message must remain solid and on that foundation of the Word of God. But we also have to be understanding that flexibility in the way we deliver that unchanging message of the Word of God is understandable considering culture. We have to make sure that we're not making this a matter of our own preferences, uh, and we're not trying to compromise as well, but we're making this a matter of what's biblical and what's not. So the style of songs we sing may change. Uh, the, the favored uh, chord progressions may change. The, the style of the music may develop over time. And, the, and you know, the way we do our traditional church services may vary over time. Uh, this recording is, is being made during a pandemic and we're seeing lots of changes that are being made uh, in the way we, we have church service right now. And we're doing that so we can minister to people. And uh, I think as time goes on, we're gonna have to continue to be flexible uh, so that we can be most effective in reaching every culture. So I close with this. To win souls, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he varied his methods depending on cultural factors while remaining true to God's Word. And this is what we should do as well. I'll leave you with this verse, uh, this portion of verses, I should say, that will help guide us in this matter. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20 through 22. Let me read it to you. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, 
being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. I am made all things, or excuse me, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. I want to pray that God would grant us wisdom to do the very same thing today. God bless you. Again, that is Brother Brock Chavis on Ministering to a Multicultural World. If you have enjoyed this episode, I would like to ask you to kindly give us a rating or share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, or any social media platform. We would like to reach out to more people whom we could help to reach out, make disciples, and lead for the cause of Jesus Christ. Again, thank you for listening to this episode, and I look forward to having you again on our next month's episode.